Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. Uh, we have a new Masters 1000 winner in Hubert Herkash and uh, joining me to discuss this uh, and, and the brilliant week of Miami tennis we had last week is Marcus Ali. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Always exciting to have a new champion at a certain level of the ATP Tour. And Hubert Urkacz has definitely fit the bill uh, last week. An outstanding win and really seeing it, his coming-of-age week. I think we've seen wins of the certain calibre that he produced last week all too far apart in his career so far, but he managed to put it together in one specific run and uh, completely deserved of winning the title. Of course, Yannick Sinner, I'm sure we'll move on to him. What an excellent week he's had and moved into the top 25 for the first time as a result. But uh, yeah, no, uh, catch fully deserved. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what he, what he can offer for the rest of the year. So, as mentioned uh, in that little intro, uh, Uber Herkash uh, is the winner at the Miami Open, beating 19-year-old Yannick Sinner 7-6, 6-4. In the final, it was uh, a good match, um, although I think as well as Herkash played, uh, I was a little bit disappointed with how Yannick Sinner played. There was way too many errors coming off of his racket in that match. It was, it was a shame to see. And I think Urkash just kind of worked out during the match that all he had to really do uh, to get the better of Sinner was just to almost get everything back. He was playing a sort of much more defensive rather than offensive uh, game style and letting Sinner make a lot of the mistakes for him. But that's not taking it away from Urkash. He, he had a fantastic week. Uh, wins over Sitsipas, Rublev, Obviously, Sinner, Ryanich, Shapovalov, you know, they're five names in themselves that have all, you know, really been up there during their career. Um, also, the, the sixth win uh, being against Dennis Kudler, a player who's been around for a long time. Um, catch up to 16th in the world now. Um, as far as I could see, um, of recent history, Jerzy Janowicz uh, was, was, of course, the highest-ranked Polish player. He re reached 14th in the rankings. And uh, so, Hokash just two places off of that now. And uh, Poland's highest-ever male-ranked player in 10th, uh, Wojciech Fibach in 1977. So, I think at the age of 24, now in 16th position, Hokash uh, really looking good to, to carry his country's hopes forward to obviously experience the, a bit more joy on, on the winning side uh, of the sport recently. Um, but yeah, you know, a, fa a fantastic week for Herkash. Uh, before we talk about Sinner, um, Marcus, just, just give me your, your review on his week, um, but then maybe also the, the match in, in specific and, and how he really won that match. I think Sinner was always going to be the aggressor in the match, hence just the just the sort of clash of styles that we saw. And Urkash uh, this week playing such aggressive players and coming through tests against the likes of uh, Denis Shapovalov and Stefanos Tsitsipas probably really prepared him him really well for for the test that Sinner poses. Obviously, he's not on this as much of an established player as those two, but on the form that he came in at was probably as much of a test, probably probably even a bigger one. So to come through it in in straight sets is extremely impressive. And 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that he's got it over the line. Obviously, it's his second title of the year, but he didn't beat anyone in the top 100 to win the title in Delray Beach. So this really, really puts his name out there and proves that he's a he's a force to be reckoned with. And I think, you know, we, we saw Denis Shapovalov himself um, put out his thoughts about the current ranking system and how he was feeling like he couldn't really climb the rankings, etc. Boom, Perkash has won a Masters title firmly into the top 20 so you know I mean he's just got his head down and smashed it um outstanding really I think the match as a whole didn't go as a, as I expected you know I did expect a little bit more from Sinner I can't lie but that played into her catch's hands um he can often adopt a more defensive style and that can come off you know he's not too dissimilar from Daniil Medvedev he's quite shorter but has those long levers uh, that enables him to to stay in a lot of rallies that you don't think he should do. You know, he's he's uh, he's tough to put away, and um, yeah, I think I think it was important for him to get this win or this run at least on the board, considering that he hasn't had too much success as a, as a clay quarter in his time, and obviously now moving on to that this week, uh, Yannick Sinner is is finalist. We'd probably expect to have a lot more success over the next couple of months. Um, so no, it was a huge win, really. Hopefully, you know, a career defining, um, career starting win in, in the sort of top 20. And uh, yeah, he must be up there in the year to date rankings now with two titles. Um, I, I really hope at 24 years old now that he can really kick on. Yeah, I had a look last night. I believe her cash up to sixth in the year to date rankings now with the uh, one Masters title we played this year. He's actually unbeaten in Florida this year, winning uh, the title with Delroy Beach earlier this year. and and then winning in Miami. And his third title, um, which he got a couple of years ago, came in Winston-Salem, which uh, is, I, I believe, that's North Carolina. Um, so actually all three of his titles coming in the States. Uh, I know he's trained a lot out in Florida over the, um, the, the first sort of pandemic suspension. I'm not sure if he lives out there, but I know he uh, trained a lot in, in Florida. So he obviously feels really comfortable on, on the hard courts of uh, America and and potentially I know it's a long way off, but if he can keep the form up that he's showing, he could potentially be a, a, a real danger at the the U.S. Open later this year. As you touched there, he's not really had a, a huge amount of success on the clay courts. Uh, just playing three tournaments in that um, post-pandemic uh, resume of of last season, second round. Uh, in Kitzbühel, third round in Rome, and then going out in the first round of the French Open. So uh, it's sort of mediocre by by his standards, or, or certainly by his standards now. He'll be hoping for a bit better on the clay this time round. Um, obviously, Sinner making the quarterfinal, I believe it was, of the French Open last year. So as, as you say, probably expecting a, a bit more from him in in the coming weeks. Uh, Sinner's up to 23rd in the rankings now, up eight places. It's a, a good week for him after recent defeats to Shapovalov, uh, Bedini, or Bedene, I should say, Anna Karatsev. Uh, so, yeah, re- really, really encouraging to see from him. Um, Sinner, uh, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll ask you this. Um, just sort of going forward into the, the, the clay court season now, um, obviously we both said that we think Sinner's going to be the one probably with the most to boast on the, the clay courts but where do you think these two players should be setting their aims at ahead of this clay court season what do you think should sort of be like a, a threshold achievement for both of them Okay so 
if I was Uber Urkacz's coach or mentor or himself, if I'd, I'd be thinking just to better what you've done before. Um, I think I, I'm curious to know what Daniil Medvedev's expectations and mindset are going into this clay court season. Clay court season having had such limited fortunes in the past. So I would liken that a little bit to Urkacz's situation. Um, you know, nothing to really write home about so far in his career. So I'd just look to improve on that, really. I think if he can make a quarterfinal on the on the tour, that would be a really good achievement. Um, obviously, we've got the Masters events coming up, which will be a good chance for him to, you know, keep his, keep his ranking points ticking over. So, you know, making a couple of fourth rounds at the Masters would be decent, I think. Um, but, yeah, just to try and maintain a bit of momentum for when we eventually go back onto the I'm not sure what his grass court games like but grass and uh, and hard courts um so yeah I, I wouldn't be setting his sights on anything major but just want to just want to keep building really um and then with Yannick Sinner to be honest I think he's got to go for it um I kind of expect him to be making quarterfinals and semi-finals week in week out I think Dominic team may still be struggling with injury a little bit as as we as we're just coming back it does seem like that ongoing foot injury has flared up quite majorly in the last sort of month or two so in terms of players that can compete with Nadal and Djokovic Sinner's right up there obviously you got Schwartzman who made the semi-final of the French Open and some other decent decent clay cores in there but I think Sinner yeah, if I was to do a rankings on Clay, I'd easily have him in the top 15, probably. So I expect him to justify that over the next few months. Um, whether he can win a title, probably outside of Masters level, I'd fancy him to. Maybe a 500. That'd be a impressive one for him to get under his belt, obviously just with the two titles at 250 level at the moment. So yeah, just I'm expecting him to be deep into every Clay Court tournament he really, really enters into. Um so yeah, higher expectations of Sinner. Obviously, the the style of uh, of clay court tennis does come a little bit more naturally to him. So he's the one to look out for. But I think you know Urkacz can can definitely carry on this form. Yeah, I think the the thing with players like Urkacz and Medvedev, though clay isn't their uh, best surface, they can always go into it knowing that they haven't got too many points to lose in the rankings. Obviously, the rankings being done by how many points you've got in the last year or it's a little bit different now because of COVID, uh, some of it in, in some cases it's two years. Um, but, you know, if Urkash, uh, sorry, does uh, go out in, in the first or second rounds of these, he's probably not going to fall too far because it, he's not really losing many points. Obviously that Rome third round uh, he got last year is really the only place where he's probably going to be properly defending points. Um, so yeah, um, and we, you mentioned you're not sure about Urkash's uh, grass game. Uh, I, I do recall watching him against Novak Djokovic at the last Wimbledon. I think that was in the second round. And I believe he, he played quite a good match, actually. I don't, I don't think he got a set, but uh, I think he did push Djokovic quite hard. So hopefully uh, some good stuff from him on the grass courts to come. Um, so from last week... Uh, uh, one player winning a challenger title means that there are now 11 Italians, uh, sorry, 10 Italians in the top 100. Uh, that equals France and USA, who both had 10 Italian, uh, 10 players from their country uh, in the top 100. Uh, and that's just behind Spain, who have 11 players in the top 100. So that's 41 of the top 100, nearly half 
uh, from those four nations of Spain, Italy, France and USA. Uh, I was just going to give you a quick bit of trivia, Marcus. Uh, I was going to see if you could name the 10 Italians uh, inside the top 100. Um, as I give a little hint there, one of them uh, won a challenger title last week and, and that now means that there are 10 in, in the top 100 and, and there weren't nine. Uh, there were nine originally. Okay, I, I fancy myself for at least eight or nine here. Uh, just straight off the bat, this is a nice way to move into into Cagliari, right? So, just rattling them, rattling them off. I'll have M- Lorenzo Massetti, uh, Gianluca Maggier, who won the won the challenger title last week. Then you've got Stefano Travaglia, uh, Fabio Fornini, uh, Marco Cecchinato, I think. Uh, might have been losing some points if it was normal ranking system, but I think he's just about held his own in the top 100. Uh, then you've got Sonego, uh, Caruso, uh, Matteo Berrettini, of course, the Italian number one. Then Yannick Sinner, and that leaves me with one more. Um... Yeah, you've got uh, one more to get. Uh, Cecchinato uh, is 93rd in the rankings. The one that you've got to get is 96. 96. Uh, how old are they? Uh, I'm not sure how old they are. Do you, I can give you a clue in that they're not young. Oh, he won challenges. That's why he's there. Andrea Seppi. Correct, yeah. Andrea Seppi. Uh, my guess would be 36. Uh, definitely one of the, the veterans. 37, yeah. 37, yeah. Around a while. Um, okay, just before we move uh, on to those uh, tournaments this week, um, on the women's side at Miami, uh, world number one Ash Barty winning the title there. It's her second Miami title and her 10th title overall. Um, but the real story uh, being the retirement of 20-year-old Bianca Andreescu in the final uh Barty won 6-3 for Love, was leading for Love in the second set before Andreescu pulled out with an ankle injury. Uh, really worrying signs for the Canadian who won the US Open in 2019 as a teenager, um, but then wasn't able to play at all last year due to injury, returned this year uh, and, and had looked good actually so far, considering she hadn't played at all last year, was was getting, getting some good wins and, and getting to the final of Miami uh, last week was a, a fantastic performance from her. Um, but yeah, really worrying to see her pull out injured in this final. We're hoping it's not going to be too long term because I know at 20 years old, you've still got a long time left in your career. But we, we've seen, you know, you only have to look at someone like Juan Martin Del Potro, obviously won the US Open when he was about, I think, 22, 23, not quite as young as Andreescu. And obviously has been plagued by injury so much since that he's never really been able to hit those heights again. Um, Marcus, I don't know if you wanted a, a little word on Bianchi Andreescu and also the, the uh, brilliant achievement of, of Ash Barty, who, after winning the, the Australian Open a couple of years ago, had looked a little bit uh, not great afterwards, trying to back it up, but it is, is really looking, looking good this year. Yeah, despite her ranking, I hadn't really noticed such impressive form from Barty over the last year or so. Um I think she is yeah right up there in the rankings if not on, on on top spot yeah yeah she's number one um but yeah just on angry andreescu as more of a 
an outsider women's tennis fan. I, I do mainly take in the Grand Slam. So when she stormed to that US Open title aged just 18, I was thinking, like, is this the next person to see, well, really gather tons of slams, basically. You know, if you look down the list, you've got Serena up there, of course, chasing Mar Margaret Court's record. But then after her, there aren't too many players that we've seen in recent years, to be honest. Um, so obviously Naomi Osaka is looking like she could climb up that list uh, quite easily. But Andreescu, of course, being just 18, it was really, really stunning and, you know, makes you makes you wonder how many they could get over their career. But yeah, sadly, with these injury problems, you think maybe is she just going to be a player that we see sort of dip in, dip out, like maybe a bit like Sharapova has in, in uh in years gone by and win a few slams here and there, but never really have a, have a record that stacks up against, against, uh, you know, the greatest players of all time. So she's still very young. Uh, hopefully, you know, she can strengthen that ankle um, and yeah, really, really kick on. It was good to see her pull off so many excellent wins after a quite a slow start to the year um, in, in Miami, of course. Uh, so yeah, still an exciting player, just, um, Hopefully, the extent of this injury isn't as isn't as bad as it once was feared. Yeah, I mean, Garbine Muguruza, of course, former Wimbledon and, and French Open champion. She has the most wins on the women's tour this year, and uh, she um, was beaten by Andreescu last week. Um, Andreescu also beating uh, Sakari in the semi-final, who had knocked out the Australian Open champion Naomi Osaka uh, along the way. Um, so yeah, really encouraging form from Andrescu and, and we wish her well and hope that the ankle is not too bad. Uh, now we're going to just have uh, a look at this week's tournament. So the clay court season really uh, getting into swing now, returning to two of those countries I was referring uh, as to having so many good players in the top 100, we've got a uh, we're going to the south of Spain, um, just outside Malaga, I believe, is uh, Marbella, and uh, we've also got uh, Cagliari. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Marcus better Italian than me, so he can confirm that. Uh, that's on the island of Sardinia. So uh, tennis also out there in, in the, the hotter parts of Europe at the moment. Uh, we're going to just go through sort of the usual way that we do this and look at our, uh, our quarterfinal predictions and, and who is playing. So um, let's start with Cagliari uh, over in Italy. As I say, Dan Evans actually is the top seed of this tournament, uh, which is kind of funny considering Dan Evans is not a clay court player uh, by any means. Uh, but he does top the draw because obviously the seeding is done by rankings. You've also got Taylor Fritz, Lorenzo Senego and, and Nicolas Basilashvili, the um, Dubai champion, I believe it was, um, just from a, a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, uh, if I just take you through my quarterfinals uh, at the top, I've actually got uh, young Lorenzo Massetti, uh, 19 years old, I believe, uh, Italian, one of many young Italians coming through. I've got him to beat Dan Evans in, in that second round and him to face Lazlo Gere, uh, a, a good clay court player, has a title on clay himself. I've got him to come through 
against uh, well I had him to come through against uh, Federico Correa but Milman has already beaten him the sixth seed uh, I've got Niklas Bazanashvili to face Jan Lennon Struff Struff uh, getting his first win this morning in the tournament losing the first set to Halsells but coming back to win quite comfortably after that uh, my third quarterfinal uh, I've got Yannick Hampfman against Lorenzo Sinego Hampfman winning a, a, a great match yesterday against Tommy Paul in three sets, uh, knocking out the eighth seed, who I don't think is too comfortable on a, on a clay court surface, whereas Hanfman, not a bad clay court player himself. And then that last uh, quarterfinal, actually, had Guido Payer to face uh, Taylor Fritz, but Payer was actually beaten by Igor Gerasimov uh, yesterday. So um, Gerasimov will face the former Brit, uh, Bedenay in the second round, and I expect Bedenay to win that. So I'd now, I'd now say Bedenay to face in the quarterfinal. Uh, I'll, I'll pass it to Marcus, see what he's got. Yeah, mainly mainly pretty similar. I think just the one difference. So yeah, Musetti Jere at the top. I actually think that's where Musetti comes unstuck. I think Jere's got a lot more experience in, at this level and, and you know has a decent shot at really going deep in the tournament. Then Basil Ashvili Struff, of course. Uh, and then I did have Tommy Paul actually. So looking like maybe an inspired choice for the German player Yannick Hanfman, which of course has a decent record on these sort of level clay court tournaments in the last few years, had a deep run at Kitzbühel last year, if I'm recalling that correctly. So it'll be interesting to see if he can beat uh, Cecchinato. I think he'll play in, in the next round, uh, should he make it through. Um, yeah, so I have them to play Sonego, who I have to make the final. And then that bottom quarterfinal, I had Guido Peja versus Taylor Fritz and I pay her to actually make the semi-final. So that's been a bit of a rocky start for me, losing a quarter-finalist and a semi-finalist already in Calgary. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to stick to my guns. I had Nicolas Basilashvili to get to the semi-final of Miami last week. He sadly went out to Mikhail Imer from my point of view, but I think he can regather that form. He's got two titles on on the clay court in his, in his career. And I think... He's going to go on to win the title, beating uh, Lorenzo Sanego in his home country in the final. Yeah, I've actually gone for a bit of an outside shot here. I've gone for the 19-year-old Lorenzo Massetti to win the title. I think um, Basil Ashbury, of course, looked very good the other week. I think we, it was Dubai that he won, wasn't it? Um, no, what was it? it was Doha. 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 I knew it was one of the, the uh, one of the Middle Eastern tournaments. Um but I, I just I find it hard to rely in, on Basil Ashford, especially after the, the last sort of year of form. Uh, so yeah, I just went out for it and, and hoping that the 19-year-old can really follow in his in uh, Yannick Sinner's uh, footsteps, and, and we can have another teenager from Italy winning uh, um, a title. And actually, just important to say at the time of recording, uh, Liam Brody uh, actually qualified for this tournament. Uh, fantastic another fantastic result for the Brit this year having a fantastic time down on the challenger tour has made a few finals this year uh, and he's actually playing a, a fellow qualifier in the first round and he's currently a set and a break up uh, against uh, gonna get the first name Mark Andrea Huesler from Switzerland not a player I think I've seen play before but I know a player who's got a decent record on a clay court surface it's not a, a match I would have thought Brody would get through but um if I recall correctly, Brody qualified for the French Open uh, last time out or maybe the year before. So I know he's definitely um, been looking good on the clay courts of late. And, and just if he was to get this across the line, that would be another fantastic result in, in this 
run of form that he's having, um, beating, um, I, I believe, Matteo Berrettini's brother in the first round, um, but then also Roddy Onoff of Austria, who's a, a very handy player himself. So really good to see the, the 27-year-old Brit uh, progressing through the rankings and, and definitely not far off a career high at the moment uh, if, he, if he hasn't already got there. Um, if we go across now to Marbella, um, the tournament over in Italy, um, and I'll hand this to Marcus to do his uh, quarterfinal predictions. Yeah, uh, just um, going to be going to be interesting, I think, in Marbella. Of course, you got Cagliari, that not lovely little sunset island, but Marbella, the one that we're probably going to see more of with it having a bit more TV exposure on the Amazon Prime Video. Um, so I have top seed Pablo Carreno Busta to make his way to the quarterfinals to start off with. And I have him to meet Facundo Bagnis there, who with a good week and already a good win uh, against Francisco Thurundolo in the first round today, has a chance of breaking back into the top 100, so at 104 currently. Uh, the second semi-final, I have not a match that I wanted to predict, but one I felt I could not avoid in Albert Ramos Vinolas versus Federico Delbonis too. Quite a... Uh, narrow uh, players is kind of how I'd describe them. You know, this Marbella tournament is their bread and butter and probably will be for the rest of their careers. Then that third quarter final, I have a far more interesting one. The, the bottom half of the draw is so much more exciting in Marbella. You've got 17-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, who got for a tricky first round match against Milojevic today, the Serbian player. Uh, I have him to beat Felithiano Lopez in the second round and set up a tie with Casper Ruud in the quarterfinal, the 22-year-old Norwegian player. He's got a couple of play court titles, I think, under his belt, or at least the one uh, already in his career. And then at the bottom of the draw, I did have Pedro Martinez, who sadly lost to Ilya Ivashka today. So I had him to the quarterfinal, but it's going to be interesting to see with Alejandro Davidovich Fokina down at that bottom part of the draw. has shown some decent form on a hard court, but maybe not so much a clay court, but Maybe it's in his blood. I'm. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, as a as a as a home player, I'd probably back him to make the quarterfinal. I've gotten to meet Fabio Fonini. I, I wonder how many clay court tiles he's got. He's probably at least between five and ten. Um, so yeah, I think his experience could really shine through this week. Uh, but just to give a little spoiler straight away, I have Casper Rude to win the tournament. I think he's definitely the standout player on a clay court. Uh, most consistent, most reliable pick. Uh, for me to, to plump for in, in Marbella. Yeah, not too many differences. Um, I've also got Creno Buster against Bagnes in that top quarterfinal and then also the uh, the spectacular uh, quarterfinal of Ramos Vinolas against Del Bonis. Um, I actually have Ramos Vinolas to go through to get to the final. I've got him to beat Creno Buster in the semi-final. Um, I've also got Alcaraz against Rude. Um, so actually, the only difference, uh, in fact, in the whole quarterfinals is that I've got a Halme Munar to beat Fabio Fanini in the second round. Uh, Fanini, for me, potentially hasn't shown as, as great form. He did have a good Australian Open, but um, hasn't shown as great form since the, the sort of first lockdown period. And Munar has that good, but made the final of the Marbella Challenger, which I believe played at the same location uh, last week. Um, he made the final of that, losing to Jean-Luc Camager. Um, so hopefully he can he can keep that form up. He has got a tough first round match actually, Halme Munor against uh, Henry Larksonen, uh, who's sort of around 
quite a quite a bit each year. You often see him getting the odd wild card or qualifying into to tournaments. Um, and I can't think what it is, but I'm sure he's got a fantastic win in his. Uh, I'm sure he's beaten a top player at a big stage before, but I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I've got Munar to get to that quarterfinal. Actually had a uh, Pedro Martinez to get all the way to the semi-final. Uh, so his loss to Avashka uh, is is going to prohibit me a little bit there. Um, and I've got Casper to win the title as well, beating Ramos Vinolas in the final. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, our predictions uh, for this week. Uh, as Marcus mentioned, Marbella is on Amazon Prime Video. So if you do get uh, some free moments in this sort of lockdown but gradually easing out of lockdown periods uh definitely uh watch out for that it's definitely some exciting players i was watching uh carlos alcaraz the 17 year old against milojevic uh today um came back from free love down in that second set to win six games in a row and when it's six three uh, he looks like a an exciting player and i saw holger rune uh the 17 year old danish player he lost in a in a free set match to uh soon Wu kwan uh, and I really enjoyed watching him play yesterday. So definitely uh, watch that if you can. Um, but just one more little bit of news that we were going to talk about in this episode. Um, the BBC uh, reporting that the French Open may be postponed slightly because of a rise in COVID cases in France. They're currently in their third lockdown. Um, the sports minister, I'm going to completely butcher the pronunciation, but the sports minister, Roxana, Marashunu, something like that, probably completely butchered it, said uh, we are in discussion with the French Tennis Federation to see if we should change the date uh, to coincide with a possible resumption of all sports and major events. So looks like uh, probably in line with their law of their third lockdown and what can and can't happen. Potentially, we're not going to be having the French Open where it is uh, normally, or, or even if we do, it would almost certainly have no fans out at all. I think France is currently on average recording uh, about 20 times the cases that we are here in the UK, and obviously um, a lot more people in France with the, the infection rates there are, are quite bad at the moment. Um, Marcus, did you just want to mention that? Um, I, I, I know... There's not really a lot we can discuss about it, but it could maybe be a, another a later French Open like we experienced last year. Yeah, it is a little uh, disheartening news, I think, with the situation here. You kind of take for granted uh, how, yeah, we seem to be moving out of lockdown very cautiously. But, um, yeah, I think it's disappointing. I think at this stage they probably had to... Um, sort of broadcast the possibility that it wouldn't happen rather than just to sort of temper the emotions of fans and, and, and get it out there as a possibility unless things change. So, you know, reading that headline, it could, you know, it, it's just speculating the possibility is it, it's not putting anything concrete into place. So, you know, as things stand, it still will go ahead. So, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not drawing any conclusions really massively from it. However, you know, I probably will take a little look more into the sort of uh, into the coronavirus situation in France uh, as Liam Brody makes his way into the second round. Um, so, yeah, I, I will take more of an interest. It's it is quite disheartening because the clay court season does kind of build up to a crescendo in, in Paris. So, yeah, that would be a, a, a bit disappointed if we don't get to see the French Open at 
you know, at Roland Garros. I'm sure Nadal will be gutted to not get to play on Philip Chatrier this year. Um, but yeah, I'm open to all the possibilities. I really hope it does be played in in some way, shape or form. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite disheartening and worrying news, but I'm not drawing too many conclusions as yet. I suppose we should just remember the talk at the moment is only about postponing it a, a little bit. So perhaps if we don't get it in the normal May time that we get it, uh, you know, if we if it comes to another September sort of French Open like we got last year, I think it was September, um, or it might have been a little bit after that, actually. I can't really remember which one. Yeah, no, the US Open was, was before, so it might have been October, the French Open. I can't remember. But... Um, yeah, if, if that happens, then then so be it. But yeah, hopefully we still get the, the French Open happening. And as Marcus said there, Liam Brody has made it into the second round of the KRE um, tournament that, he, that he's qualified for. He's currently at a career-high ranking of 152. He'll go higher than that. Uh, playing Jan Leonard Struff in the next round, ranked 111 places higher than him. Uh, so going to be the real underdog in that match, but uh, one that Unfortunately, that tournament won't be on Prime, so you won't be able to watch that one. But um, yeah, but really good wishes to Liam Brody, who is just having the, the best year of his career so far. Um, and, and just, yeah, really encouraging to see the Brit uh, after so many years of perhaps disappointing form where the standards we were expecting um, going on really well. Um, that is pretty much it. Uh, I don't know if Marcus wanted to add anything particular there. Uh, just thanks for listening and uh, look forward to talking about Liam Brody in the semi-final or final of, of Cowery a bit later this week. Of course, we can cross our fingers and hope for Liam Brody, but it's going to be a very tough match against uh, Jan Leonard Struff. Um, that's all from us. Uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll see you at the end of the week.